Hello and welcome to another episode of Oscar Central. Today we are here to talk about some of the films of the first quarter of the year now that we are through it. And today I am joined by Kenzie. Kenzie, how are you? I'm good. I have a little PTSD from um, Blanche, the short film. <laughs> I miss him. Um, <laughs> but I'm good. I'm happy to talk about what we've seen so far this year. To all those unfamiliar with Blanche, please go to Kenzie's Twitter account so yes. you can see a, a real photo of him. And if you, uh, you want the deets on Blanche, contact me and Jillian. <laughs> <laughs> Jillian, how are you doing? I love how it sounds like we're speaking French every time we say Blanche. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of like a distant cousin of Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanche. Um, um, I'm doing great. Um, just recovering from my adventures last night. And then some hot yoga today in a 110 degree room, which was fun. So I'm just replenishing. Um, but I'm I doing great. That. I love that. Truly like a, a good reset Sunday. Um, so like I said, today we're going to talk about some of our favorite movies from Q1. Um, I think what we're gonna do is everybody can share their top three and then maybe go in depth about why their favorite is their favorite, unless you two are gonna like battle it out over who gets to talk about John Wick, you could just talk about it together and then one of you could talk about another movie. This is never the life I foresaw coming. Like I Me didn't either. Know, I didn't know anything about John Wick until two weeks ago. And now here we are. I've Truly it's whole... been a journey. It has for everyone involved. <laughs> Whether yeah. they want to be involved or not. <laughs> Do you want to start, Kenzie? Yes. Um I actually have had a really hard time picking my number three because mm -hmm. I just feel like I have a lot where it's like three stars and they're just kind of like same all there. Um, I think I'll go with the one I have maybe the most distance from. So I know I really appreciate it, which is Palm Trees and Power Lines, which is really funny when you see what my other two are. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny talking about palm trees and power lines while I'm obsessed with Keanu Reeves um but I just this movie is really important to me um I really think that it's a movie that really shows the dark side of grooming and just like how you can get into it I feel like a lot of people especially as time has gone by they're like um a little like how do you not see what's going on I think this movie does a really great job of showing how easy it is for young people especially young teenage girls who are like a little isolated in their lives can fall into a situation like this um and I think it shows just like the full scope of it and then obviously it touches on trafficking which is a huge thing for especially people in like smaller towns like alongside highways um major highways or interstates um it's just a really dark film and I also think it's a really great directorial debut the lead performance is so great and Jonathan Tucker who has been like kind of like a weird staple in my life with films like I feel like he pops up in a lot of things I've watched um I'll never look at him the same way again I don't know if that's good or bad for him but he is so incredible in this movie and uh it just like really kind of ruined my life but in like a good way like I like when a film is so effective it's 
really hard to get over but that is definitely my number three of the year thus far I don't know if anyone else saw it or I still really need to see that one it's on my list of things from q1 to catch up with yeah it's it's a it's hard to recommend to people for sure I just um it's really important to watch it but it's obviously just like really hard for some people it's obviously very triggering like I went through a situation very similar um and that's probably why it made me literally feel sick um, but I do know, I think Jillian and I have a, an overlap with my number two, um, which is a movie I just truly, like, I want people to know it is not recency bias if I say John Wick 4 is the best of the John Wick franchise because I just saw all the John Wicks the same week I saw John Wick 4. Really? I finished John Wick 3 maybe five minutes before I got in the car to go see John Wick 4. If you've not been in a group chat with Kenzie over the past, like, two weeks, you cannot understand the way that she has spiraled into being a John Wick fangirl, and it has been the most fun journey to watch happen. I don't understand it. Like, I... <laughs> it's weird because he's very much, like, my type, like, John Wick as a, like, physically. Like, wears all black, long hair, tall, dark, handsome, the whole thing. It works for me. And, like, my husband barely talks, you know, like I, I'm into the 300 words in three hours vibe. <laughs> um, but like, I I don't know. There's something about like an action movie and I'm writing about it for something coming up soon at Oscar Central. Um, but like an action movie that like allows audiences to be like fully encompassed in the sequences that are taking place. And I think that like, we're so accustomed to movies like and I'm not saying they're bad movies. I'm just saying there's, like, a clear difference here. Where, like, Mission Impossible, like, there's, like, a few big stunts. And then there's, like, action sequences. But they're very much, like, close-ups. Or, like, you can t- visibly tell it's stunt doubles. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, like, John Wick is more so grounded in, like, reality a bit. Where it's, like, there's an action sequence that's maybe, like, 30 minutes long of just, like, John Wick fighting like 45 people and you're like it never really cuts away and it's just very impressive the way that it's filmed and with the way the whole franchise is and it's because it's made by a former stunt coordinator and Keanu Reeves former stunt double but I just think it's like when you make a movie like this like there's a reason people really love them um and Keanu Reeves is so great in it like there's there's really something to the way that it was catered to him and the way that um I've been reading about they like cut down his dialogue so he had even less dialogue and that was really like reminiscent of like Steve McQueen being like my characters don't need to say this much they can convey it with their eyes or like because they're not it like goes into the trope of like men not expressing their emotions but I feel like the John Wick franchise is essentially all about his emotions. His whole entire motivation is an emotional motivation. Um, but there are some... I can't even pick my favorite action sequence in John Wick 4. Like, I I don't know. I think maybe it's the overhead thing. Um, but they said they were very inspired by... Um, 
Hong Kong Massacre. It's like some video game. I don't know. I'm so sorry. But um, it's really just like visually so stunning. And let me tell you, you can feel the on like on set they shot these on location like Jilly and I unfortunately saw John Wick and then immediately saw Murder Mystery 2 and um but Murder Mystery 2 also shot on location uh interesting not on my list at all um but John Wick chapter 4 Bill Skarsgård Keanu Reeves like what more could I want from a movie and like for some reason no one's talking about this but Bill Skarsgård is, like, very, like, sensual in this movie. He's, like, constantly licking his lips. And, like, I don't I don't know what was going on there. And um, if anybody wants to talk to me about him and Mr. Nobody possibly being in a relationship, I am here to discuss it. I think there's something going on there. Also, I love um, Rena. She is an action star. I was really nervous about her being in this movie because I love her music. I'm not a fan usually of pop girls turned actresses unless it's like a pop star vehicle like glitter or burlesque or crossroads um but she's great in this I think there's like a scene where she's like stabbing someone's back with knives as he's going up the stairs and like when we saw it on Friday again the the audience went nuts they were dying and I was like this is an action star in the making um Jillian do you have this this bad boy on your list i do (laughs) i'm there i'm so excited um but my number one is emily i will never recover same (laughs) i will just never recover i i don't even know what to say about it it is just so sensual and hallucinatory and just like everything I feel like you could have wanted from this it's not even like a biopic I feel like is the wrong word to describe it even though it is one it's just like exactly what you imagine bringing her story to the screen would be and what a directorial debut I'll never understand it um it's obviously some of the best performances of the year especially Emma Mackey, who is just so good at it and so expressive with her eyes and just like her body language. And it's some of my favorite sex scenes on film in so long. It's so, I don't know, it has like the aura of Wuthering Heights. And it's just such a great exploration of like kind of like their bond as sisters because I've like, I get along with my sister, but we're very far in age, so it's a little different. But, like, I can't imagine being, like, a sister who does the the exact same thing as the other sister. And it's very, like, just – it really explores that kind of, like, relationship between siblings in such a really great visual way. And obviously, I love the horror elements added to the story with the mask. I think it's so well done. And I was – and I love the score so much. Like, so much. And um, the cinematography is beautiful. Every still is, like, a painting. And I don't know. I wish more people saw it. I feel like it kind of got dumped at the beginning of the year and nobody saw it. And that's a shame. Because it's my number one since I saw it. And I assume it'll probably be in my top ten by the end of the year. But I love my variety of my list. Um, They would not in any way shape or form be a triple feature i would recommend i don't know no. would john wick like emily 
I feel like if you double featured <laughs> Emily and Palm Trees and Power Lines, you'd just be like, that's it. That's my emotions for the whole week. Literally. Like- <laughs> literally. I, yeah. But if the goal is devastation, then you can do that. I think John Wick Chapter 4 fits in the devastation. Because <laughs> I'm devastated he's not real. <laughs> there we go. All right. Oh. Jillian, would you like to share your three next? <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. I was going through my list and I realized like everything that I have watched has not come out yet. So this was kind of hard to put together or like things that are coming out next week. Um, But at number three, I've been thinking about this film a lot recently um, and how it's like, it shouldn't be a comfort film, but I can see it becoming a comfort film. And that is Infinity Pool. Like, I I would like you. Do you want to confirm that the um, unrated edition is your comfort film? I'm specifically talking about the unrated edition that was not in theaters. And let me tell you, one of the most disappointing theatrical experiences, because I watched it on Sundance, and then I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this with everyone, because I went with my coworkers. And they got to the specific part that I was looking forward to, and they cut it down to, like, half a second, and I was very upset. Um, So this is infinity pool the unrated edition and i again i feel like when they put it on hulu because i'm pretty sure that's where it's gonna go i feel like it's a a film i could turn on in the background and go about my day if i'm doing something which i would not guess this film would have that power but it's really giving that um now it follows a long line of recent films about rich people on an island but i feel like what brandon cronenberg does here makes it very unique in that there is another layer to that with the um, commentary on tourism and colonial tourism. And like, I took a bunch of classes on that when I was in school. And I thought like the way that he interlaces that in this film is very fascinating with it being very gore and all of that, as well as like Alexander Skarsgård's character of Jamesy. I was gonna do an English accent like Neil Goth, but I can't. Um, Jamesy. So good. Good. That was good. <laughs> um, I think like his character of it being from his point of view, where he really doesn't, he's like, we discover that he spoilers, um, he doesn't have any money. And it's just like, you know, you can get caught up in this type of behavior and become very animalistic. And it's just just think a lot of the cinematography decisions and just a lot of those moments that are like nonverbal from Alexander Skarsgård are just like really beautiful to watch and convey so much. We love men who don't speak. Um, we do. We do. <laughs> like, I think he's really great in it too. And I know a lot of people were like comparing it to Triangle of Sadness or like Glass Onion or The Menu. But I think like the fact that it has that tourism theme going about it like makes it so unique and like very daring in what it does and I'm like the white lotus who are comparing to the white lotus I'm like well the white lotus season one like that's what they're kind of commenting on in this film especially with the tourism part um but I don't know that one just really I was thinking about the other day it kind of reminded me more of uh Westworld because it was like the whole like there's no consequences for their actions yeah but i totally agree with you i enjoyed it far more than any of the other eat the rich movies 
yeah because it was just very unique and his outlook on it and like i will trust a cronenberg film father and son um because they're not they get it's like i feel like with this genre the subgenre specifically like we think people are being like daring and crazy and then you get something like infinity pool and you're like oh wow we were holding back but um it was fun and i think mia goth was also i wouldn't say it's a mia goth film like people were saying it was but like i love a good alexander skarsgård leading role and i hope we see him more in this pathway I love him becoming like a freak. Like he went from like Robert Eggers to like like baby Cronenberg to like like what's next? Like where are we going? I'll follow you anywhere. Do whatever you want. He's using can you imagine he plays <laughs> the brother of Bill Scorsgrid's character? Um, but I love that he's using his Nepo baby powers to be like just a freak. He's like, you want me to have a really long sex scene where I'm on drugs that don't exist? Sure. Sure. You want me to wear a leash? will do like i love when it's like people aren't afraid to get weird but it's like it adds to the story like it's not like oh i want to be it's not weird for like shock value it's yeah it's like that's what i also think a lot of because a lot of the criticism was like oh it's like so shock value but like when you watch it like i don't think it's i don't think it's shock value like every decision brandon makes in this film makes sense for like the character's motivation and the character Which is a factor that I really loved about it. Um, So yeah, Infinity Pool. I hope it comes to Hulu soon because I want to watch it. But the unrated version. I don't want the theatrical release. It'll have the his and hers because it'll be paired with the Possessor unrated on Hulu. And it'll be like a nice little his and her night in. So if you're listening and you're planning your date night, uh, Jillian has recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Love it. Um, my number two going off of the Scars Guards, his brother, Bill Scarsgard in John Wick. I almost said John Wick two, John Wick chapter four. Um there it is. <laughs> I've been like, in and out of a Keanu Reeves phase like for the last year, but like I never ventured into the John Wick films, which I feel like is like his new era. Like I love The Matrix, I love his work in the 80s and the 90s. Like I watch his bad films because that's what I do with actors. I watch everything um and it wasn't until recently where i i think in january i tried to watch the first john wick but i again also not an action person and then watching them recently i was like oh i get it and i feel like i haven't been a franchise person in a while because i don't they're just like hit or too hit or miss like i don't get really excited for them anymore but this one really it's just it's like a hypnotic like religious experience to watch this film in a theater it makes sense there's a lot of church scenes i'm like yeah that's the vibe i'm getting it's like neon cathedral um but action and i think with this oh my gosh i had a point of view but i lost it it'll come back to me it'll come back um oh my gosh I lost my train of thought um I yeah I just love like when action kind of has a purpose and I feel like in this like you could tell the amount of care that went into it um everyone was so excited to be there like you could there was probably a lot of room for just like playing around especially with like the stunt sequences and like the people they had I love the relationship between John Wick and Kane 
um this this uh action sequences were insane i think my favorite might be the rave sequence because it was just like you have all these like bodies moving and you have the the bumping music and it's just I don't, it's just all very like intoxicating you get really sucked up into what is on screen and like very I don't know it just like takes over your body while you're watching it which is like insane and I think like post I mean we're still in pandemic technically but I think you have a big divide between films where it's like we want to say something and we want to have a message and like be relevant and then there's films that like a lot of actors you could say like Top Gun with Tom Cruise and this one Keanu Reeves and John Wick 4 like they want to make films for the theatrical experience of like to make people want to go to the theater and just you know enjoy it and I think this one specifically like the theatrical experience which is really insane and like very collective and like everyone's excited to be there and it made me realize how like I want much more of those experiences experiences in 2023 of just like you know, going to the theater, being excited and like enjoying it and being able to see that also on the screen of that being the purpose. Um, so I feel like that's also like a reason why I really loved John Wick 4. And I'm still shocked that. We're John Wick people. Also, yeah. shout out to um, R&D Kitchen for R&D Kitchen. because Jillian and I got a spicy margarita and then we went there, <laughs> we got wine and we were like, what should we see next? And we were like, let's just do John Wick. And we bought our ticket like a month early. I'm so dead. And that was the the start of our John Wick obsession. You're kicked out of a theater to not get in. <laughs> and that is one moment. We did it, Joe. This is what but, Joe this is what Kamala meant when she said we did it, Joe. It was John Wick chapter four being in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I genuinely do love this journey for you. Too. <laughs> Nicole Kidman said we come to this place for magic. She was watching John Wick Chapter 4 in IMAX. <laughs> if she's not watching John Wick Chapter 4 in the sequel to the AMC ad, I will riot. I like also think you- like we saw it in, we saw it in IMAX and we saw it in regular and like obviously the IMAX is like crazier and just everything but it's like I think it's nice when it also like translates well to just yeah I wasn't like I only was missing IMAX because I could visualize and hear the IMAX in my mind you know and like that was the like it wasn't like anything was lost like it's not like oh this was specifically for IMAX and like if you don't see it that way it suffers but we saw it on Friday and it was completely sold out and I like I obviously Dungeons and Dragons opened and that's why I wasn't in IMAX anymore and that movie also performed really well but I think like Jillian's saying there's these movies that are like created essentially for theater going experiences and like it doesn't matter that like I'm assuming Dungeons and Dragons will become a franchise I'm John Wick is clearly a franchise but like I think like Jillian's saying if you can tell that people like put the work in and like really like appreciated what they were making and there was a lot of thought and care put into it like people will go to the theater like I'm already seeing all this behind the scenes footage of um Dungeons and Dragons and like how they shot it and it's like because people care they like walked out of the movie and they were like how did they do that and like I think people like respect those theatrical experiences and like we saw John Wick and people were like cheering people were like oh my god like people it was like but it wasn't like distracting. It was like a nice experience that like I'm happy we got to have repeatedly. Yeah, I agree. Cause I 
even like when I saw eating for Brady, it's not on my list, but it was like everyone was so hyped. And it's like that you was just fun. love when it's like, you know, and you can tell like the filmmakers wanted those responses. And it's also good that they make money, but it's also just like it just helps bring people back and you kind of imagine like, oh, this is so much better than like watching it at home. And that brings me to my first movie, my number one movie, which I I saw. Oh, such a good movie. transition. And I wish that it was in theaters because this theatrical experience was wild. I saw it at Sundance and maybe it was because it was the Sundance crowd, but it is the romantic comedy Rye Lane, which came out on the 31st of March. Um, it's on Hulu. And it's also, it's like one of those films where it's like, it's a perfect streaming movie, but I also think a theatrical release would have been incredible because um, I was watching it yesterday and I finished it today. And I was just like remembering sitting in the crowd and like moments when like everyone was like laughing or like gasping and all of that. Um, so there's been debates for the past few years on whether the rom-com is dead or not. I think in some capacity, it could be dead. And then I think in others, like you get these once in a lifetime gems. And I think that's exactly what Rye Lane is. If you like Notting Hill, if you like Love Actually, like this is in the same vein, but it is a much updated, refreshed version that is both like timeless, but also timely. Um, It's in the vein of, also in the vein of Before Sunrise, where you get two 20 something year olds who are just walking around London and like, venturing and discovering like their heartbreaks and about each other and like re-watching this the dialogue feels like Shakespeare and I don't know it was like really crazy just like the line delivery and the the rhythm of the words and it's just so bright and fun um first it's a directorial debut from Rain Allen Miller um incredible like I could not imagine this being my directorial debut um and it's also a celebration of black joy which is beautiful and just like a really good depiction of a specific neighborhood in London which I feel like sometimes when like movies take place in like cities and I think that's a problem with rom-coms recently especially if they take place in New York and they don't try to utilize the city as a character it's like okay this does not feel lived in this does not feel like a real world and this one, like, you're completely transported into this, like, neon fish-eyed lens that is used. Um, and I don't know. I hope a lot of people are watching it. Um, if they have Hulu, I think it's on Disney Plus in Canada, if anyone from Canada is listening. But Wait, what? a lot of my coworkers texted me that they were watching it or, like, should they watch it? So I feel like Hulu did a good job of, like, putting it on everyone's, like, homepage. Yeah. They knew it was out. Yeah. And overall, it's just, I don't know. I'm also not really drawn to those. These are like three films that I, I, feel I was like just about to say. These are three films oh, I never was like, Jillian's going to have these on her top okay, three. Truly. <laughs> the yeah. variety. The variety. But I do feel like, I feel like that's sort of what happens in like the Q1 portion of the year is that you end up with these movies that you see because like you want to see movies or because you're covering them or whatever and they're not necessarily the movies that like were top of your list that you were excited for for the year but you end up finding ones that you really like yeah I feel like a lot of the movies I've noticed even like last year's like the ones that I was super excited about like I watched them and I was like okay and then like yeah (laughs) you're like that was completely off my radar and now it's like oh I'm there's like a genuine it's like when there's a genuine passion you know 
Yeah. And I think it's like when you recognize that there's passion behind the filmmakers and the actors and there's like the impact of that, like really, I think for each of these films, it really translates off the screen to like the viewer. And that's my list. Nicole, I assume yours is John Wick three times. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, (laughs) no, mine are honestly like very what you would expect from me. I feel like, um, And I do, I had a really hard time choosing my third because I have like genuinely three movies that are kind of tied for that spot. Um, But I will go with, I actually really enjoyed Boston Strangler. It's not like a great film. Um, Like I don't think it'll make it to my top 10 list at the end of the year or anything, but I do think it has good performances. You know, I I love to see Keira Knightley always. Um, I would follow that woman to the ends of the earth. And I also think it does a really good job of showing how you can make a compelling film that has to do with a serial killer case that doesn't feel like it's ever like reveling in violence against women um because the film is so focused on the journalism that like helped them you know figure out this case and the way in which um these female journalists were trying to hold the police accountable for like not really trying to solve these murders um rather than focusing like on the murderer himself and i think especially with like all of the conversation that happened around like Dahmer coming out last year and the risks involved whenever you are making a film about a serial killer and like the risk of like romanticizing him and all of that i think it's really nice to see something that like handles it well i also Uh, think it's like um it kind of like dabbles into like why people are especially women are interested in true crime yep and i feel like that is kind of always missed with movies about true crime exactly. so like i really liked that aspect of it and i yeah. loved Car- carrie coon in this movie yes so much. and, and i love i loved carrie coon and Kira knightley together like i thought that they yeah. had really nice rapport and and it's so nice whenever you see a movie where you have like two female characters who are working together and they don't try and give you any sort of a like dumb like personal conflict between them you know what I mean yeah especially because like they kind of like bring it up at the beginning she's like oh she probably slept with someone and like she's like absolutely not and then they're just like besties and I'm like okay exactly I love that (laughs) um my number two is a Netflix film The Pale Blue Eye which came out early January and I feel like really slid under the radar um but it is a like Edgar Allan Poe murder mystery film in terms of it is based on the like when Edgar Allan Poe was in school at West Point um which is the thing that a lot of people don't know about him but he's played by Harry Melling and truly Harry Melling being maybe the most like versatile talented actor to come out of the Harry Potter franchise like from the kids of it is the plot twist of the century and yet I think what has happened uh he is astounding in that movie literally if Netflix wants to like make that a series of him as Edgar Allan Poe like solving some murders um or just mysteries or whatever I would be so down for that give me the Harry Melling Edgar Allan Poe cinematic universe and I also really loved Christian Bale in it like 
I love to see Christian Bale in a period film. I think he's like really good in them and really fits a lot of time periods. And I also just needed something to like cleanse myself after seeing Christian Bale in Amsterdam last year. Um, I love the Scott Cooper, Christian Bale cinematic universe. I actually feel like he's like a great director actor pairing. I agree. And I really think that like if it's one for people who are listening that you have not seen, it's on Netflix. I think it's under two hours if I'm right. Um, Maggie and I did a episode on our like period drama podcast Petticoats and Poppies about it where we talked a lot about Edgar Allan Poe and his time at West Point which is really fascinating uh so definitely recommend that one and then my number one is also Emily um no one is surprised it is my I saw it so I saw it at TIFF and if it had come out in 2022 it would have been my favorite movie of the year so I honestly don't know if anything will dethrone it from the number one spot this year I think it's only real competition that I like see coming is barbie maybe but i also would not be shocked if emily holtz strong is my number one of the year it is one of my like genuinely one of my favorite films i've ever seen i am a huge bronte fan and a huge fan of weathering heights weathering heights is like one of my favorite books of all time and the way that francis o'connor like captures the vibes of weathering heights in telling emily bronte's story is really cool like you were saying Kenzie earlier I think that the way that it depicts sisters in particular sisters who are sort of working in the same creative field is really well done um I think it's no surprise that like Frances O'Connor has siblings uh I think the way that it depicts you know sort of the tension between Emily and Charlotte which is sort of mirrored in the tension between Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights as novels is really interesting uh and also like you said it has some of the hottest best sex scenes I've seen in quite a while and because I'm a historian and a nerd I'm also like thrilled with like you know that scene in it where it's like the beginning of the sex scene where they're taking off the clothes and you're seeing like just how many layers are there listen (laughs) You're like period accurate undergarments. Nothing gets me going like that. Like I get so excited. I was like bouncing in my chair at TIFF. Um, but truly, like it's so beautiful. And the fact that it's a directorial debut astounds me. Um, because it it really feels more elegantly done than you would expect from someone's first time directing. And the gothic elements in it are so great. And the way that like it really approaches horror in a very Emily Bronte kind of way is so cool. And also Emma Mackey. Like, I would not be shocked if I get to the end of the year and Emma Mackey is in my personal lineup for everything. Um, yeah, because that performance incredible. is so great. Like, yeah, honestly, it will be, it is very possible that Emma Mackey will be in both my number one and number two films of the year by the end of this year. So we shall see. Um, I also but, really love um, Oliver Jackson Cohen in it. I obviously he's my he's physical so type. Um, yes, I can see that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all men should dress like him. Yes, um, but uh, he's so good in it. Like I, the he's scene so where good. he's in the doorway and like he's just like ups- like it's so I don't know. He's able to really like he obviously can act with dialogue. Like he's incredible. Has incredible line delivery. But I don't know, he able like is able to convey so much with just his eyes and his body just language. His, yep. And it's so impressive because I feel like he's not really like I feel like people don't really think of him like that. And I was really yeah. like struck by how good he is. 
that scene where he's yelling at her is so, oh my god like, I also think he carries off like the humorous bits of the film quite well because especially in like the first half there's some very funny he's moments treating her like a child well and all those moments where like he arrives like as the new like curate to the parish or whatever and like all the girls in the town are like fawning over him him. like which like i just want to say like that's like one of the few times where a movie's done that where i'm like that would happen like right i was like me too (laughs) yeah like i'm like this is the kind of guy that this would happen for like yes um very (laughs) absolutely yeah but i think like he's so funny in some of those bits and and i think that like you know, Emma Mackey also pulls off the the humorous bits of that really well. And I think that it's also a really interesting film sort of about like art and artists and what it means to be creative and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely. I know that it is coming to VOD soon. Um, so definitely make sure that you check it out. If you could not catch it in a theater, I know that it didn't have a very wide release. Um, so it should be available for more people to see very soon. And also make sure that you check out Kenzie's review of it on Oscar central, which I really loved. So, um, but yeah, those are our, Top three films of the year thus far. Uh, does anyone have some films that they want to catch up on? Because I know for me, obviously, I need to watch John Wick 4. That is first and foremost. Um, and I need to watch Rylane and Palm Trees and Power Lines. I also I like need to catch up whole, on. Like, other than my number one, everything yeah. else was. <laughs> yep. Sorry. I also need to see 1001's because um, I've not caught so that. It just came out recently. Uh, and then I also, I do want to watch Sharper. I know it didn't get great reviews, but like, you know, I've I watched know some people who did like it though. So I feel I've like I've watched it's... Seb's like almost his entire filmography. So I feel like I there's have to certain, watch it. There's certain I feel people. like it's hard for yeah. me to watch the Apple TV films. Like I've tried, like I also tried to do Tetris, like, and I just, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's my attention span. I don't know if it's their movies but like i i restarted sharper like five times and i did not get <laughs> at least 10 minutes in but i heard um, it fun for people that like i it. need to watch um it's so hard to know like what i missed um right plain no i'm kidding um <laughs> you know what i you know what i didn't see i didn't see missing because mm. I was a bit unsure about the trailer and if they could replicate the experience again, but I heard it's pretty good and I love Storm Reed, so I feel like I need to check it out. Um, And I do think that's streaming. What else did I miss? It is. Can Letterboxd not put TV on here or like let me filter to not include TV? Um, I didn't see... um, what is that one? It was just playing in theaters, like gold something. Gold. Oh, the mm, spinning gold, something like that. Spinning gold. I didn't see yep. that, and I, <laughs> I do love a good movie about like the music industry and whatnot. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I also need to to watch Dungeons and Dragons. That's my other one I need to catch that, up on. That was which... a fun one. Yeah, yeah. Lex wanted me to shout that out that she 
the more she's been thinking about it, the more she liked it. And she reviewed it. It's on the site now. But um, I think I'm going to go see that this week because it seems like a fun thing. If you don't see John Wick Chapter 4 in theaters, Jillian and I will never speak to you Okay, but here's the thing. I want to watch the other John Wick movies first. They're all on Peacock. Honestly, I know, but I... I feel like you could watch it without watching them. Yeah, like I watched them. Sorry if my boss is listening. Um, I watched them <laughs> at work, like on my other monitor. See, that's the thing. I think this week I should be able to like get through watching the first three John Wicks, like at home while I'm doing stuff, and then I can go next week. Hey, like, the I following saw week Avatar, and see it in the, theater. the Way of Water three times, and I still haven't watched the first. Avatar. I so, cannot with that. You know, <laughs> sometimes we can watch sequels without going back to the basics i can't yeah i don't think there's that much other stuff i need q1's always um hidden gems or movies i never check out unfortunately Um, yeah i feel like you did really well though like i feel like you managed and i guess like part of it too is like it's a little easier for people who are based in la and new york because you get all of the releases whereas like I know a lot of people have things like palm trees and power lines and Emily. I saw that at home. That just, I never saw it in a theater. But things that just I, like completely slipped their radar because yeah. they were never around. I feel like people were catching up on like, like I know like a lot of the Sony classics released in January, like mm-hmm. Living or like um, yeah. One Fine Warning. So I feel like a lot of it is like catching up or like there's like blockbuster films. I, I feel like John Wick is the only like I'm quoting as if people are gonna see this flex <laughs> for the episode. Um, I didn't really like. I feel like this is when like the blockbusters come out, but like I personally like am not gonna go back and watch like Cocaine Bear or like Megan. Okay. Or, like, oh, I did I not also... see Cocaine Bear. I don't yeah. know how that one slipped me because that was like the Americans <laughs> reunion. I was so excited for. I love Elizabeth Banks. I don't remember why I didn't see it, but I just did not see it. I didn't even catch up with that. Truly, some of the worst movies that I've seen thus far this year are, like, the big franchise ones, like um, Shazam 2 Your and uh, Quantum Mania. I didn't know that the plot of Your Place or Mine was that they were FaceTiming, and someone was explaining it to me, and I was like, what? Of course, because they have no chemistry, and it's because they probably never met each other. Like... <laughs> You know, Murder Mystery 2 was not my favorite, but I feel like it was a pretty well They at least, done. like, I was watching it, and you're like, at least, like, there's something with them. Like, there's, yeah. like, magnetism to them on screen. Like, yeah. I do think that Adam Sandler is super checked out in it. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he has, like, his full 10 out of 10 Adam Sandler sparkle. But there's something about like them together They're and like so yeah, like they really play off of each the other. Physical nicely. comedy of both of them, and I feel like Jennifer Aniston. Like we know she does comedies, but like you don't like think of her as like a comedic actor. Yeah. But then, watching that, it like reminded me because it's like it's not. A- even like friends, like I don't think they're like that funny, but like in her movies, she's pretty like on top of it. And then also, like, with you saying that, it makes me, like, wish there was, like, a star vehicle for, like, Adam Sandler to be, like, not bad Adam Sandler, but, like, full at, like, the glory days of Adam Sandler. That's not, like, a drama. That's not, like, what he's... He needs, like... I'm trying to think, what's the last movie that's like that? Like, I I want to go with it. Yeah. like I want want Grown Ups 3. (laughs) <laughs> I saw Grown Ups 1 in theaters. 
Like, I just want him to have, a, I want, like, I feel like he's having fun on all his films, but, like, that one, I'm like, I just want him to have, like, a fun time and be with his friends. Yeah, I agree. I like him. He's good. Um, I like him as a drama person, too, but I'm like, Murder, Mis- Murder Mystery 2 makes you just want Jennifer Aniston and <laughs> Adam Sandler to drop the dramatic roles and get back into the along came Polly's. Oh, I, I don't know. You know what I really want is I feel like everyone switch. hates that's my boy, but I like him in that. I really love the switch with uh Jason Bateman and Patrick so Wilson. Good. I obviously am just like the biggest Jason Bateman fan. How do we get one. just go with it too? Is Nicole Kidman gonna come back? <laughs> <laughs> oh that was a good one. That's probably the last. Now that I'm, I have his whole thing up. That was probably the last one. Like literally, the last one after that is grown up too, where it was like pretty solid. That's so depressing. <laughs> but my parents, yeah. my parents said it was a fun time. They were thinking about the Eiffel Tower, and they were like, "My mom goes, it must be, it must be less costly if they could just film at the Eiffel Tower because they don't have to rebuild." their own version and then take it down dead i'm dead <laughs> that, what an observation but they said it uh, makes me watch the first one again so i guess that's good for yeah the yeah. fan murder mystery <laughs> where there's no no murder nor mystery literally nothing no good no mystery, no comedy. And then I was like, I was like, did you think it was funny when they came to the Eiffel Tower in their new outfits? And they're like, yeah, like that was really part of like them making fun of themselves. And I'm like, oh, I did catch these layers. Mystery <laughs> 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 fans know. I love this so much. Um, because right, well, that's my mom's top three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we got to discuss it. <laughs> Your mom will be proud. Yeah. Well, that is our sort of wrap up for Q1. Um, but I'm gonna, you know, ask you guys where you are on social media, but then also um tell me what like Q2 movie you're most excited for. So Kenzie, where can people find you? You can follow me at Kinzununu on everything except Letterboxd is at Kins Doyle, where my murder mystery two review blew up. I don't understand. <laughs> it's not even a good one. Um, nobody liked my John Wick ones. Um, a Q2 movie I'm very excited for, other than Evil Dead Rise, just because it comes out soon, I guess would just be... I'm really excited for Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Um, mm-hmm. Judy Bloom obviously meant a lot to me growing up, and the adaptation seems really sweet, and I love the cast, so... I'm very excited. And the trailer makes me so happy every time I see it. So, um, and Benny Safdie in a movie that's not their <laughs> own and not licorice pizza. I will be seated. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for that one. That's a really good double feature, Evil Dead Rise. Yeah, no kidding. God, it's me, Margaret. Like, I mean, probably two horror movies, really. If, probably, if truly. <laughs> All right. And Jillian, where can people find you? And what are you looking forward to in Q2? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at um, Jillian Chili, and you can find me at TikTok at Off Screen with Jillian. Um, what movie I'm looking forward to Q2? I'm gonna go with um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of 
Destiny? Yes. Movie titles are way too locked. It's playing at Cannes, which is fun. Um, I think like James Mangold is a good pick to kind of, I would say, resurrect this franchise because I think he also did that with Logan of kind of, you know, restoring like legacy to an iconic character. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see what he does here. Antonio Banderas is in it. Matt Mickelson. Mads Mickelson, he's like the character actor extraordinaire. Baby's so in it, right? Who? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of, I need to see her performance because I know like in the Indiana Jones movies, they always like pair up like him and a woman. So I'm like, let's, I don't know. Let's see how this works out between them. But he like, they seem like they have really good chemistry because I saw them at D23 and I don't know if they were playing it up, but. We'll see her making this. He seems really like invested in this versus when he was doing like the Star Wars press. He was kind of like a zombie, like not like he was definitely there for the check. And this, he seems really like over the moon about the way it's coming together. I'm very excited to see it because I feel like Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge actually have like similar vibes in a way. They kind of do. Especially with their humor. So I feel like their humor in the movie could be Wait, really good so you know how we have the insider info that um phoebe and martin mcdonough really hated blonde do you think yeah. harrison ford too really hated blonde i don't think harrison ford i don't think he even knows what it is yeah i don't think he knows yeah what it is. i think i think even <laughs> if he started to watch it like if kalisa flockhart was like let's watch this he did not finish it he's yeah. a man <laughs> that has limited time to <laughs> spend his time and that's why he's not in the star wars listen he went off and he was like i'd rather build a cabinet like, but, yeah, <laughs> but I agree because I watched. I recently watched that interview with him and Ryan Gosling for Blade Runner, and like, mm-hmm. I couldn't. I I don't know how well he was into the Blade Runner when it came back to the era, but like, I feel like he's really into this, and I think because the last the two thousand eight movie was kind of bad, um, that this will be like a really good, you know. That's a great pick. I don't know. If this I love that for him. Jillian's in her franchise era, but like only good franchises. Only good friend. I just like I just liked Harrison Ford before everyone started liking him for shrinking. I was on I was on the train. Um, I love the you Indiana were people you were talking about Indiana Jones like a year ago. I, yeah. I and I also really like James Mangold as a director. I feel like he's one that you know when he does a project, people talk about him. But I feel like he's been. I don't. I mean, I'm not a walk the line person, but like his other movies, I think are very solid. And I think vroom, what he did Green, he can do here, where it just you know. If he could make me care about the Vroom Vroom movie, as Kinsey. I'm gonna four versus Ferrari. That um, was talk about know. talk about an insane theatrical experience. Like that was literally like like why was that such a like, serve? It <laughs> felt like we were. It felt like we were racing. It felt like we yeah. were in the cars. Like people were going wild. Is and that I, what Carsland is? It's based yes. on Room Room. It is. I was like, this is the guy that did Girl Interrupted. <laughs> the what rain. a career! What a anyway, career! I'm excited oh, for Indiana Jones. That's my next franchise film. When Oppenheimer becomes a <laughs> franchise, I'll be excited about that too. <laughs> I wow. Okay. Um, I am on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all the places as Nicole Ackman sixteen. Um, the movie, okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say I'm very excited for Chevalier to finally get its release, um, because I've been waiting for a long time for it and can't wait to see it again, uh, after seeing it at TIFF. But then the other thing that I'm, God, I hate to say it, oh, most of the things that I'm looking forward to this year are happening in Q3, um, but I am actually looking forward to Asteroid City. 
I partially just to see my queen, Maya Hawk, on screen again, um, and to see her like work with an iconic director. Uh, and my thing is that like Wes Anderson films are very hit or miss for me, so I'm always really interested whenever he has a new one to see what it's going to be because it could be something that I like really love, or it could be something that I really hate. And sometimes I think it's kind of fun to go into a movie where you're like, I have no idea what I'm gonna think of this. Um, yeah, and I, I also. Like, I don't, I feel like I don't talk about this that much, but like, I love Tom Hanks. So I'm always excited to see anything that he, he feels in. like a good fit for yeah. this. Yes. Like, it really- kind of feels weird. It's like not like he isn't like a default actor for Wes Anderson. Like, yeah. it makes so much sense. I was That's really excited thing. to see him and Steve Carell in this. Yeah. Yeah. Steve I'm kind Carell of excited. Also makes a lot of sense. I'm excited that there's some new people coming into this one, like that aren't let's, as yeah, expected. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe next time let's mix it up with some like women of color, but you know. I also love that Jason uh, <laughs> Schwartzman is the lead and mm-hmm. it feels like all back. He's to not yeah. Cause I like Rushmore is still my favorite Wes Anderson movie. And it's like part of that is the Jason Schwartzman Wes Anderson like chemistry yeah. that they have as like a actor director pairing. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. I need sunglasses for it though. Yeah. Okay, truly. I'm really hoping that like maybe in the actual film it's not as bad as the trailer. <laughs> it was but so bright. Wait, my eyes. Is it my eyes? Can you oh imagine? God. My eyes still hurt. Um, <laughs> um but otherwise make sure to also follow us on uh Instagram and Twitter at Oscars underscore central. Is that right, Kenzie? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Someone um, has Oscars <laughs> Central and won't give it up. They don't use yeah. it. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but follow us there because we have some really exciting reviews and pieces coming in the next month. Um, and also let us know, you know, after you listen to this, what if you liked any of our favorite movies from Q1, especially Where's if the John you are Wick also a John Wick girly. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, we need to know where are the Emily girlies and where are the John Wick four girlies? Like, that's what we're looking it's for here. here. You know what's really yeah. funny? Eventually, Nicole will be both. She just yeah, has to yeah. be John Wick. I just need to see I John have, Wick four. <laughs> I have faith because you like franchise movies. So I you do. will love John Wick. And like, you have a dog. You can relate to the motivation yeah. of this movie. I would kill people. <laughs> and there's a dog. There's a different dog in every one of them. And if you're still listening, before we finally sign off, if you go to Target right now, they are okay. selling one through three, and each one has the cover of the movie is the dog in the movie. Are you kidding me? I was at Target today. How did I different? There's a different dog in every movie. Like that's like a character. And each cover art at Target is the dog of each. Yes. I gotta go to Target. Like, yeah. And they're like, I think they're like $8.99 or something. Like, it's amazing. Not, at all. not uh, sponsored by Target. Um, but not we sponsored, could be. but we could be. Uh-huh. <laughs> Olipop. Awesome. I didn't talk about Olipop. Because oh Lex, Lex isn't here. Yeah, so. Lex is Lex... off because she's at the Olipop factory. Lex or... and Olipop, we miss you both. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you both. <laughs> yeah so thank you all very much for listening especially if you made it this far and we will see you again very soon